Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi there, everybody. This is Patrick Duffy, and you're listening to TV Confidential. How do you do, ladies and gentlemen? I'm your host, Truman Bradley. Let me show you something unusual. Ed Robertson welcoming you back to TV Confidential Radio Talk Show about television. Always happy to welcome back... Our friend, Emmy Award-winning writer, producer, and director, Joseph Doherty. Joe's screenwriting credits include such acclaimed series as 30-something, judging Amy once and again, Saving Grace and Pretty Little Liars, as well as such HBO film productions as Cast, A Deadly Spell, and the 1993 remake of Attack of the 50-Foot Woman. Joe is also the author of such nonfiction books as a screenwriter's companion, Instruction, Opinion, Encouragement, a part memoir, part how-to book about the writing process and the various influences that have led Joe Doherty to a very successful career. Screenwriter's Companion also includes a very poignant story about how Joe's path as a writer began after he saw the 1958 screen version of Attack of the 50-Foot Woman for the very first time. An experience, by the way, that also led to a decade-long friendship with Mark Hanna, the original screenwriter of 50-Foot Woman, and enough gifts of fresh mangoes to last a (laughs) lifetime. Joe has just published a new novel called The First Cylinder that draws inspiration from the HBO, from the HBO, from the H.G. Wells, that's a slip right there, from the H.G. Wells (laughs) classic, sci-fi classic, War of the Worlds, only it tells the story of the invasion from Mars from the perspective of the Martians will tell you where you can find the first cylinder in all of Joe's books in just a second. Joseph Doherty, welcome back to our program. Thank you, sir. Thank you for, for giving me more room to pontificate because I just need as much room as I can get. Well, we're going to rename, we're coming up on our 16th season, and we're going to rename the show Pontificating with Joe. <laughs> um, I like it uh, as long as it's all done in uppercase. <laughs> <laughs> That seems to be a minimum right now, and 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 also it's, it's it, I I don't get a chance to see Tony and Dan and you guys enough. So let's. I thought it was about time I made up an excuse, so I wrote a book. It is a, it, and that, that's as good an excuse as any. Tony and Joe is Tony Figueroa and Dan Farron. Dan has written several one-person shows. He's also co-authored an award-winning play and has performed stand-up all over California. Along with uh, Tony Figueroa and Donna Allen, Dan is also one of the producers of Story Salon, Southern California's longest-running 
regularly performing storytelling venue. Dan, always good to have you on the show as well. It's always a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Last but not least, and speaking of Story Salon, Tony Figueroa also with us. You can enjoy Tony's standalone podcast this week in TV history on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all other platforms. Tony, good to see you as well. Good to see you, Ed, and wonderful to be back here. Joe actually came up with the topic for tonight's program. Uh, we'll ask him about that in just a second. But first, uh, once again, congratulations on your new novel. Thank you. Thank you very much. I had It was a disproportionate amount of fun to write, and I don't know why. Uh, <laughs> well, I, um, I think I know why, but go on. All right. Well, no, I mean, I, I just realize it's interesting. It's a, I, I, I can make sense of these things only in the past tense. And just as and I realized that if Cast a Deadly Spell was a, was a mashup before there was a thing as a mashup of Chandler and, and H.P. Lovecraft, then First Cylinder is a mashup of Wells, Bradbury and Vonnegut and a couple of other people just thrown in. And. And when I finished it, I felt so proud because I had finally written something I would have wanted to read when I was a high school kid. <laughs> it was this was I, I I have achieved. We even even the publisher when we chose a format for the book, we chose an old format for the book. It's a different kind of looking paperback, and it's pretty retro. And yes, it's, it was meant to be in in the back pockets of guys who really weren't that popular with girls, but had great ideas <laughs> walking around walking around their high school hallways. The, um, that, and I have and I've had a great deal of pleasure with it, and I like it. I mean, you, I am I allowed to say I like my own stuff? Yes, you are. Yes, because wow. if, yeah. because if you don't like it, nobody else will. And you're the teller of the story. You're the driver of the car. If you don't convey that energy as storytelling, I'm telling, I'm talking to a guy who's won four Emmy Awards. He's been doing this a lot longer than any of us combined, so I'm telling him stuff he already knows. But if you don't have the energy to tell the story from page one to page whatever, nobody else will, and, and you'll you will lose the readers and everybody else along the way. Yeah, I, well, I don't want to lose anybody because then they might ask for their money back. <laughs> um, and it is, it's, it's, it's a high-velocity read. You can, you can do it. I would suggest doing it in two sittings, but you can do it. It's pretty, and it's, and it's most, it's, I would say stylistically, it's mostly me saying thank you to Kurt Vonnegut. The first cylinder available um, through Fayetteville Mafia Press and Amazon.com. The conceit of the first syllable the first syllable, the first cylinder. The and the last first syllable of recorded time. <laughs> yes, that's right. The, the, uh, uh, the conceit of the first cylinder is one of those things that make you slap yourself in the forehead and say, why didn't I think of that? Joe is smiling. Uh, I, well, it's because I couldn't believe somebody else didn't think of it first. Was this an idea that had already been that had, that had been percolating in your brain for uh, some time and you, you finally decided to sit down and do it? No, it just it kind of showed up as as almost as an exercise, but it's but its actual beginnings are kind of lost. And then it just became I realized what I was doing, and it became Can I sustain this? Can I go? Can I go through the entire saga that Wells told? But can I can I find reference points that belong to the other the other principles? Yeah. So if if you've read the Wells, you'll be going through the Looking Glass with first cylinder and seeing it from the other side 
And there's, and as I said, you'll see, you'll spot Bradbury, you'll spot Vonnegut, you'll spot Edgar Rice Burroughs, uh, Nigel Neal, and just about every every science fiction writer who who got to me in that, you know, not quite acceptable back shelves of the public library, where where the where the dusty sci-fi books from Doubleday were all <laughs> racked up. <laughs> The first cylinder is a breakout science fiction novel in the tradition of Kurt Vonnegut, Ray Bradbury, Edgar Rice Burroughs, H.G. Wells, and many other uh, great sci-fi writers. The first cylinder by Joe Subdority, available right now through Fayetteville Mafia Press and Amazon.com. Dan Figueroa and Tony Fig uh, Dan Figueroa, Dan Farron and Tony Figueroa. That would be that would be no. I'm I'm thinking of your cat. Your cat's no. Your, your cat's name is um, Tony is holding his cat on his shoulder, but that's not. Yeah. Your cat is not named Dan. No, this is Aria. She was named after one of the Pretty Little Liars. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. yeah. And oh. we're still waiting for that check, by the way. Yes. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Well, because her uh, middle name's Spencer. It's, uh, yeah, I yes. know. I mean, you know, I'm, we're we're we're, you know, we're picketing at Warner Brothers, and it's because they keep all of our rights. But. Okay. Well, <laughs> Dan Fair and Tony Figueroa and Aria are with us. At least Aria's with us for now until we until we are until she is bored of the uh, conversation. Joe actually came up with the topic of tonight's program, and it is along the lines of science fiction, isn't it, Joe? It is. I was thinking, it, and I and and selfishly because I wanted to hear what Tony and Dan would dig up from their experiences. I think you know I have a funny feeling we probably have a lot of the same television, a lot of the same features in our brains, but we're kind of we're we're kind of like we're not of the same generation. We kind of overlap a couple of years here and there. I, I thought a good way to start would be talking about like talking about obscure science fiction television. And the two titles that first showed up in my head is those they're the kind of shows that were so on the fringe that when you got older, you really wondered if you actually had seen them. <laughs> um, and that was a that was a and one was a syndicated show from ZIV, which was Ivan Torres company, mm-hmm. and it was called Science Fiction Theater. And it was a half an hour anthology show on, I think, like from 55 to 56 and it was trying to be fairly serious in its science and it was hosted by an actor who i've only seen in charlie chan movies and i was going to say his name is thurgood marshall but that's not correct <laughs> who is it uh, i uh, I, I love obscure television so let me jump in and say truman bradley thank you truman bradley you're welcome who also who also appears in charlie chan in rio Yes. And 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 Dead Men Don't Tell. Yes. Why I know these things, it's just so sad. But they were they were the little half hour shot very inexpensively. I assume they were shot in Florida, possibly, because that's where Ivan Torres was. Mm-hmm. They were neither Twilight Zone or the Outer Limits. They were trying to kind of be a, a semi serious uh, look at sci- science fiction, but it was just like it was there. It was on TV, and you would watch it. You would come home from school. It would be the thing you would watch. Was this before or after, or around the same time as uh, One Step Beyond? You know, it probably overlaps a little bit. One Step Beyond those those proto shows that happened <clears throat> first, that then got perfected. Um, yeah, I think uh, science fiction and 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 Ivan Torres, to his credit, in 1955. 
He was like the Superman producers. He shot the episodes in color, thinking, you know, without having any place to show them in color, but they thought they would have increased value. But it was things like, you know, people coming from outer space and time travel. And and I read somewhere that, that the theme music was actually by by the guy who led the orchestra of the Ed Sullivan show. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. And it's That's just like, true. and it's very, and it has a, and also I think, who, who, let's see a show of hands, people who remember the three Bell Telephone hours, the science shows, um, Magnificent Hemo, no, mm-hmm. okay. And, I remember the Bell oh Telephone God, was, hour. They showed them, they showed them in school when I was in school, actually. Yes, yes, they mm-hmm. did. They did. And they, and they also showed the three um, Tomorrow Lambs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which I saw in school. That was Dr. Baxter, as I remember, mm-hmm. who was on the Bell shows. And he usually had a sidekick. For a while, it was Richard Carlson. Then it turned into Eddie Albert. And it was kind of it was kind of like Duck's Breath Mystery Theater, where they kind of dumbed the science down <laughs> and put little... And couldn't just tell you that the blood was moving through the body. They had to have put little eyes and faces on the corpuscles. <laughs> so you would kind of understand them and, you know, oh, well, you know, the pancreas is actually nature's drop box or and just try to find. But it was very serious because it had it had apparatus in the room. It's like, you know, it's. Ooh. Yeah. The other one, it, it really, it was for a moment. I said, no, this is a drug experience was I thought it was a Canadian show. Now I'm finding out it was actually an English show from 1962, and it was a knockoff of Jerry Anderson's puppet shows. And people, it was a thing called Space Patrol. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It had less money than Jerry Anderson had. (laughs) Um, But everyone still kind of walked around the same way as if they were being held by strings. But it was also like they would just, yes, now we're going to... Pluto, the place where everyone's a dog, and the guy and and all the Martians were kind of like Max Bear. They were just <laughs> junior <laughs> or senior, uh, a senior actually, I think. And they were they were there. It was a warlike planet, and they were gruff, and they uh, and and the Venusians were very kind of androgynous and 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 angelic, and all looked like you had Mimu, male or female. But again, it was that. It's like you you watched Fireball XL five because it was cool and it had and and say what you will about Jerry Anderson. If you felt yourself in need of something blowing up, he's your man. <laughs> and 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 Derek Meddings, who was his effects uh, supervisor, they just blew things up. I was watching an old Thunderbirds episode. Well, there only are old Thunderbirds. <laughs> um, it's one of those shows where basically I don't remember it being this preposterous when I was a child, but the episode is basically it's 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 two corrupt news guys trying to get close up shots of things, and the thing they're photographing is the day they decided to move the Empire State Building. Doesn't go well for me, but <laughs> let alone the people in the Needix on yeah. the corner. Joseph Doherty is with us via Zoom. Joseph Doherty, Emmy Award-winning writer, producer, and director, and the author of a new science fiction novel called The First Cylinder that draws inspiration from the famous invasion of Earth by Martians that H.G. Wells depicted in his classic novel, War of the Worlds. Only Joe tells the story from the perspective 
of the Martians. The first cylinder is available right now through Fayetteville Mafia Press and Amazon.com. Stay with us, folks. We'll be right back. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. One more item. Summertime is in full swing. And if you have dry skin, you know what happens when the weather gets warmer. More visible lines and dullness. Fortunately, our friends at Ibu Beauty can help. Their Super Duo Serum and Moisturizer is all you need this summer for the perfect glow. Check them out, ibubeauty.com. That's Y-I-B-U, beauty.com, or at Ibu Beauty on Instagram. Use customer code Ibu50 now at checkout and receive 50% off your first order. In his 16 years as a salesman for Unitex Products Incorporated, Ray Markey has traveled almost half a million miles over every kind of road. But he has never been on this road before. Dan Barron and Tony Figueroa are also with us. We're having some fun talking about some of our favorite obscure science fiction TV series, including such shows as Science Fiction Theater and One Step Beyond, shows that were more or less prototypes for later series such as The Twilight Zone. Joe? How important was science fiction in a dramatic form to you guys as you, when you were kids? You know, it's funny. I wasn't a big and never had been a big sci-fi guy. Horror was always my thing. That's the stuff, the monsters. It always brought me to the table. But quite often, if you're watching Schiller Theater, they're going to throw in, you know, sci-fi and horror and everything else in there and, and an occasional bloody mystery or something like that in there. Um, I find as I get older that everything I see has a story behind it. Every show I watch reminds me of something or a story or whatever. Joe and, and Tony know that uh, my wife and I go to a lot of conventions and I don't usually write it down, but every picture that we take with somebody, there's a story behind it. There's something. It's either something that Mary, like, you know, that Mary Lou and I saw on a date or something like that. And I find as I grow up, Mary Lou and I watch on YouTube these things called Fred Flicks. And this is some guy who's about my age and he says, here's what was on on this date in 1965. Or here's a, a look at commercials from this or for that. And it's all the opening credits. And not oh. only within two or three minutes do Mary Lou and I start singing along <laughs> with the opening credits. But I start coming up with the names of actors and say, oh, I remember this show. There's, oh, E.J. Peeker. And Mary Lou's like, who the hell is E.J. Peeker? And I said, she was around in the 60s or whatever. And then up up comes i can't remember my phone number but i can remember virtually every tv show i ever saw uh they always remind me of something you talk about science fiction theater there was a uhf station in baltimore that uh started up and they bought all the shows that were too old and and, and black and white and crinkly to run on regular television so all of a sudden i'm watching uh, Highway Patrol, Sea Hunt, uh, Science Fiction Theater, uh, 
with Truman Bradley, like I said, who looks like the guy that taught me how to drive. Uh, that's what I think whenever I uh, take a look at him. In that, um, and by the way, uh, I, I'm a big uh, Back to the Future fan. Uh, there's a, a wonderful line that I pop for uh, how uh, in uh, Back to the Future, George McFly, Marty's father, said that uh, science fiction theater was his favorite TV show. And I've always remembered that. Science fiction theater is his, is his favorite TV show. Uh, what I like a lot about the, those shows, and I'm talking about the anthology shows of science fiction and whatever at that time, is the fact that it seemed to me to be a director's and a writer's showcase, uh, more so than it did for a lot of the actors. It was a chance to do anthology, which everybody is scared to death of a lot, uh, or at least at different periods of time. Um, but science fiction to me, getting back to the original question there, uh, was about hope, about something that could happen that even though it may have a twist at the end and be bad, but there's a chance it could be good. Um, and, and the, what made me come upon that decision was, I had the pleasure one time of listening to Ray Bradbury speak in the 19, late 70s at a convention. Um, and I was so excited about how uh, he started telling this story that he had just written. And he jumped up and all of a sudden was all over the stage telling this story. And it was a wonderful story about hope and, and about hoping that things could be better or things should be better. And that's what I always enjoyed with science fiction was the opportunity for there to be hope. Uh, it's kind of like the, uh, the believe sign with Ted Lasso. Uh, I want to believe, and I want to believe that, that there's hope out there. And that's, and that that's why I enjoy science fiction, uh, so much and enjoyed all those shows from the fifties. Dan, are, are you familiar with the relatively new anthology show black mirror? Yes, I am. Okay. I have not got a chance to watch the new episodes yet, but I am familiar with Okay, it. I've not I I I'm about the uh, the new season just dropped a couple of days as we are recording this conversation, mm-hmm. but I have seen like the first 3 seasons and I think I saw yeah, we watched the standalone Christmas movie with John Hamm. And yeah. this question was triggered by something you just said, which is once you know, when you first started watching, you know, science fiction television, science fiction to you was always about hope. Do you feel that way whenever you watch Black Mirror? Oh no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I want to go. I want to go run out into traffic when I watch Black yes. Mirror after I watch that. That's uh, yeah. that's very few. But I don't consider uh, Black Mirror to be that much science fiction. Um, it seems seems like. We'll, we'll call it. I'm going to I'm going to create a new genre here called dirty science fiction. And by that, as I mean, it's just kind of rough around the edges, and it's not the science fiction that I was brought up on originally were the the Flash Gordon serials, mm-hmm. and all that was one of the first one of the first serials I ever saw. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were showing that on on one of the local channels on Saturday mornings, and I got hooked on serials. I I have dozens of serials in my collection because I just found them to be exciting and everything a boy could want. You just like but guys I, who could fight and keep their hats on. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. 
while uh, while classical music played in the background. That's what I it's, always appreciated. That just made Arya the cat walk away. By the way, but go yeah, yeah exactly. Oh, well, exactly. Dan, where does George Powell fit into this? When you said hope, oh, that made me think of. Oh, this, this is great. I thought the cat was walking across my screen. <laughs> In case you haven't figured it out, folks, we are, uh, we're talking to yeah. Joe, Dan, and Tony via Zoom. So we are seeing each other as if we're in the same room together. Um, yeah, but the cat thinks it's on Hollywood Square. So. What, right. what it would have been really great is if the cat had walked yes. across Tony's screen, walked across your screen, <laughs> yes. and then kept going around and doing all oh. And with that, we'll take an opportunity to regroup. Joseph Doherty is with us. Joseph Doherty, Emmy Award-winning writer, producer, and director, and the author of the brand-new science fiction novel, The First Cylinder. Tony Figueroa and Dan Farron are also with us. We hope you'll stay with us as we continue our conversation about obscure science fiction TV shows. We come back on TV Confidential. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk at tvconfidential.net, talk at tvconfidential.net. You can also message us at facebook.com forward slash tvconfidential, x.com forward slash tvconfidential, or at TV Confidential on Instagram. And if you're listening to us on the TV Confidential podcast, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay Area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411. Or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.